We are continuing our series through the New Testament book of Hebrews. The name of the series is Jesus is Better. We've just recently arrived at the section in the book of Hebrews that transitions from the theology section of the text to the practical exhortative part of the text. We have transitioned from the, from the section that has been teaching what we have in Jesus to now living our lives to make much of Jesus. And so here we find ourselves yet again working our way slowly through this transition text in Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. This is actually our third week in this section, just one single sentence in the original language, calling us to live our lives to make much of Jesus because of how much we have in Jesus. So I would invite you now to take your attention and direct it to Hebrews chapter 9, or chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Let us hear the word of God. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That is God's word. Thanks be to God. May he add his blessing to its reading and preaching by the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And my brothers and sisters, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. One of the things that becomes crystal clear in just a simple survey reading of the New Testament is how Christians are called to take responsibility for other Christians. Christians are called to take responsibility for other Christians. The way the book of Hebrews encapsulizes this reality is primarily in the section we find ourselves today. We find three let us exhortations that are calling us to mutual responsibility to take, ben to take hold of the benefits that have been secured for us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Disciples take care of disciples. Christians look out for one another. As we've recently just heard the call in verse 23 to, to hold fast our confession to the end. What we're going to find in this next section is if we're going to hold fast our confession to the end, our faithful God is going to keep us holding on. And one of the ways our faithful God keeps us holding on is by giving us Christian brothers and sisters to help in holding on. This is the teaching of the book of Hebrews, but this is really the teaching of the entire New Testament. One must simply consider the New Testament and its long list of one another texts, 38 of them to be exact, all calling us as Christians, as brothers and sisters, as members of the household of God to take responsibility for one another. If we are going to make it through the wilderness of this broken world, holding on to Jesus to the very good ending, then we must care for one another to the end. 
As I already mentioned last week, we considered in chapter 10, verse 23, the second of these three let us exhortations. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And as we consider the third of these exhortations today, we need to see the relationship. If we are going to hold on to the end, we need the help that comes from our Christian brothers and sisters to hold on to the end. The one another commands of Scripture, we find two of them here in our text. Stir up one another to love and good deeds and encourage one another. All of these one another commands together remind us that it's really hard to follow Jesus by ourselves. It's hard to love when there's so much hate around us. It's hard to pursue peace when there's so much aggression around us. It's hard to be pure when there's so much temptation to sin all around us. It's hard to seek God's kingdom first and keep his agenda primarily when we're constantly bombarded with invitations and solicitations to live our lives for the kingdom of self and for the pursuit of the American dream. Discipleship is hard. That is why God has given us the grace of community. God wants us to help one another follow Jesus faithfully to the end. God has given us one another to help. So it shouldn't surprise us that on the coattails of a call to perseverance is a call to care for one another. All this points to the reality that holding on to Jesus is impossible without one another. We have a great high priest over the household of God. That's another way of saying that God, that Jesus reigns over the church as a family. We are brothers and sisters who've been united by faith in our elder brother Jesus Christ and have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live like a family. We need one another. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, we find two of the many one another commands that call Christians to take responsibility for one another. Let us consider how to stir up one another and let us encourage one another. And we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into these two commands in verses 24 and 25, which really provide two significant elements of what it looks like for Christians to take responsibility to one another, for, for one another, as we seek to hold fast our confession to the end. So if we're going to make it to the end, if we're going to hold on to the end, then we must stir up one another and we must encourage one another. So let's consider this big idea this morning. Um, if we're going to make it to the end, we must take responsibility for one another. Let's look at verses 24 and 25 in two parts. First, let us notice that we are responsible for motivating one another. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Sometimes a word in the original language is like a suitcase. <laughs> when you open it up, there's just so much in there. And there are so many words in this sentence that are worth opening up and seeing all that God's packed into them as they help us understand the reality of what's being communicated. The first is the word consider. Let us consider how to stir up one another. The word consider here means to direct your mind toward an object and leave it there. It means to reflect, to concentrate, to meditate. It's the idea of thinking on one thing 
for an extended period of time. An ongoing conversation with yourself. For example, you know there are those times where you're hanging out in someone's home. Remember when we could do that? We went to other people's houses, right? And we go there and we're in the kitchen and we're having a long conversation. We're leaning up against the refrigerator and the conversation just keeps going on and on and on. And, and one, of the, one of the people that you're talking with finally just says, why don't we just kind of go into the living room and sit down for a while? And so you finally move from the, from the standing position in, th- in the kitchen to the couch where you sit down and just continue to have an extended conversation, considering the topic that you're discussing. That's this word. It means to have a long, extended conversation with yourself. Now, before we even talk about what we're supposed to be considering, what we're supposed to be conversating about with ourselves, I think it's important to notice that, that we live in a day and age where it's very difficult, becoming increasingly difficult to park our thoughts on one thing for a long period of time. I mean, we live in a day and age where we're constantly being distracted and invited to take our minds to multiple places. Uh, I, I, this has been my life for as long as I've I can remember. This is a personal issue that I deal with, but I think we all deal with it now in extended ways. Like, for example, I've told many people, if I ever look like I've zoned out, it's because I probably have zoned out because I I tend to, to be distracted. I'm like Doug the dog from the movie Up. Squirrel, right? You know, maybe you're like that, maybe you're not, but I think we're all tempted to bounce from one thing to another, especially in the digital age in which we live. We fill our moments of quietness like we've never filled them before. We scroll, we scroll. It's hard for us to sit down and just think and meditate and ponder. We're so distracted. We feel like we need to go to the next thing, read the next article, look at the next headline. And I think doing what we're being called to do here is a challenge because of where we find ourselves in our present culture. We need to relearn what it means to sit still and to think and to consider. So if we're going to be people who do the kind of considering verse 24 is talking about, then we're going to have to relearn the art of reflection, concentration, and meditation. We need to relearn the art of parking our thoughts. So what are we supposed to park our our thoughts on? Verse 24 says, how to stir up one another to love and good works. So we're supposed to park our thoughts on how to stir up others to love and good works. Here's another really rich word. It's the stir up, just one word in the original language. It means to provoke, motivate, positively stimulate, to get to stir the pot, if you will, or to, to, to give a healthy push in the right direction. I think that's a helpful way to think of it. This word stir up means to, to, to give a healthy push in the right direction. Back when I was in college, I spent most of my summers working as a, as a camp counselor at this beautiful camp in Brevard County, North Carolina. And, and one of the beautiful sights that we love to enjoy on any given week at this camp was chilling out on the 40-acre on the lake. And that lake was beautiful, but it also had on it just a number of just really cool attractions that the campers loved to hang out on. One of them was a 30-foot jump-off tower. And so you'd climb up this 30-foot tower, and you would just kind of free fall into the deepest 
part of the lake. And so I kind of made it like one of our cabin challenges that every single one of my campers was going to free fall off of that jump tower. And so we'd go to the lake and our campers would, my campers would climb up. And my rule was, the cabin rule was, if you climb up, you cannot climb down. You had to jump off. So if you had the guts to go up the ladder, then you better have the guts to jump off the tower. And so very oftentimes, probably half of my campers, I would be standing there at the bottom, motivating them to jump off. You gotta jump, you gotta jump. And occasionally, just occasionally, I had to climb up myself, stand next to my camper, and give them a healthy push in the right direction, right? That's this word. Something, there's something that needs to be done. And if it's going to be done, that person needs a healthy push in the right direction. That's the word here, stir up. To motivate by giving a healthy push in the right direction. And the idea here is that Christians, followers of Jesus, if they're going to make it to the very good end, if they're going to persevere in their faith, if they're going to keep holding on to Jesus and, and live lives that make much of Jesus, then they are going to regularly need healthy pushes in the right direction. I'm going to regularly need healthy pushes in the right direction. You're going to regularly need a healthy push in the right direction to keep following Jesus to the end. You're going to need the help of others to stir you, motivate you, direct you to do what? Verse 24, love and good works. Love and good works. Love is talking about the heart, how you feel, how you think, how you desire, what you want. And good works is talking about the hands or, or what you do with your body. So the things you desire, the things that you want, and how they translate into activity or to behavior. And so according to the text, what every Christian needs to help them be motivated to make it to the very good end, to persevere in their faith and holding on to Jesus and following through the wilderness of this life is for other Christians to come alongside of them and help motivate them to keep on loving what's right to love and doing what's right to do. I think it's interesting that the word love is being used here. Wasn't it Jesus who summarized all obedience in two particular ways. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so I think what we can say is that if we're going to live lives that love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we're going to live lives that love others as we should on the block, in our home, at work, on campus, wherever we find ourselves whoever God places around us, if we're going to love them right, then we need our brothers and sisters, we need the family of God to help motivate us to remain faithful to loving God and loving others in the particular ways that each and every one of us are responsible. So putting all of this together in this first exhortation, let us stir one another to love and good deeds. One of the ways we take responsibility for one another, one of the ways we help each other hold on to Jesus 
and persevere to the end is by giving healthy pushes in the right direction to keep loving God and to keep loving your neighbor as yourself. You need that. I need that. And so the application goes two ways. I am responsible for helping stir you to love God and love your neighbor. And you are responsible for helping stir me to love God and love my neighbor. In other words, you are responsible for helping others, and you need to allow yourself to be helped by others. This requires humility. Humility to give it, and humility to receive it. And obviously, I, I, would, I would want to be very careful to not give too particular application on this at this present moment, because we can apply this in so many different ways. But I've been, as I was preparing for this message, and as I was preparing to preach it and pastor you through it, I was thinking in particular about the many unique temptations that we're all facing in these particular days. The days we find ourselves staying at home, socially distancing. And I think these are days, as I'm having conversations with you privately, confidentially, don't worry, I'm not going to share anything I shouldn't share. But as we're talking with one another and as you're sharing with me what you're going through, we're, many of us are finding that these days are bringing, bringing up temptations that weren't present before these days. Temptations of fear. And you don't necessarily feel that you're a fearful person. On temp- temptations of despondency and despair. Temptations of lust and laziness. Things that maybe you struggled with a long time ago, they find themselves coming back to the surface, especially as you have more time on your hands and as you're st- stuck at home and you're on the screen so much of your day, whether it be for work or for relationship or for church. And so I think it's important that during these days where we find ourselves being tempted in particular ways, that there are people around you that know where you're being tempted, how you're being tempted, so that they can stir you up to love and good deeds, not just in general, but in relationship to where you find yourself particularly feeling tempted to love God, to not love God, and to not love your neighbor as yourself. We need the positive motivation that comes from other Christians pushing us in the right direction. But if they're, going to, if, if they're going to push us in the right direction, they need to know where we need to be pushed. And that kind of gets back to the bigger, broader exhortation that's kind of over all of these let us commands here in this section. Namely, let us not neglect meeting together as the habit of some. So if we're going to do this for one another, if we're going to motivate one another, then we, we must not avoid one another. Distance gets in the way of discipleship. And so you're saying, how could you even say that right now, right? We're all distanced from one another. How, how, can we, how can we be together? This is where we have to be creative in being the people of God. This is where we need to be creative in finding ways to remain connected in ways that are responsible and loving and submissive to where we find ourselves in our present pandemic predicament. But none of these circumstances negate our responsibility to still know and to care for one another in these particular ways. And so I want to encourage you, um, as this lingers on, as this experience of doing 
church gathering virtually, being with your discipleship community virtually. I'm, I'm speaking to, to those of you in particular um, who are a part of our community here at Covenant. Um, I know it's probably getting old. I know you're probably getting tired of even receiving worship or offering worship this way and receiving the ministry of your pastors this way and connecting with your discipleship community in this way. I know it's getting old. I know it's getting tiresome. I have to start wearing glasses now. My eyes are so strained from all this screen watching, right? Um, This is affecting us in so many different ways, and we just want it to change. We want it to end. And Lord willing, in God's time, in God's way, things will get back to what we prefer. But until they do, church, we're still responsible for one another. We still remain responsible for stirring one another to love and good deeds. And if we're going to know how to give healthy pushes in the right direction, we need to know how we're doing. We, others need to know where you're struggling. Others need to know where you're particularly feeling tempted to not love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the particular ways that you're struggling to live a life that brings God glory in loving your neighbor as yourself. And so may God help us in these unique times to apply this timeless truth to our responsibility to motivate one another in the right direction. Second, notice in verse 25 that we're not only responsible for motivating one another, we're also responsible for comforting and correcting one another. Now these are related. This is kind of more of a, a breaking down of what's already kind of been mentioned. But it's in verse 25. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The word encourage. Here's another one of those, those words that so much is packed into it. it. It's a word in the New Testament that takes on a lot of shapes and a lot of sizes. Depending on context, it can mean to warn, to correct, to encourage, and to comfort. And so we find this word used in all different sorts of ways to underscore the way in which we need to use our words and our presence to care for one another as followers of Jesus. For example, we see scriptures that use this word in the original language to warn and correct. For example, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. We looked at this months ago. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The word exhort there in that text is the same word that's translated encourage in our text today. So to to encourage is also to exhort, to warn, to correct. But then it's also used, the same word is used to encourage and to comfort. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, listen for the word comfort over and over again. It's the same word translated encourage in Hebrews 10, 25. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we, comfort, we are, ourselves are comforted by God. So the very same word is used for comfort and for correction. Comfort when we're suffering, comfort when we're hurting, comfort when we're in pain, and then correction 
when we are beginning to stray away from God. So taking responsibility for one another includes both. Both ends of the spectrum. Sometimes we need to encourage and comfort, and sometimes we need to warn and correct. Sometimes we need to be encouraged and comforted, and sometimes we need to be warned and corrected. So this word, encourage one another, encompasses all of these potential realities. Sometimes we need warning. Sometimes we need to warn others. We need to tell our brothers and sisters, if you do that, it will not be good. So don't do it. That's warning. Sometimes we need to correct. You did it, and it wasn't right. So repent. Sometimes we need to encourage. You did it, and it was good. Praise God. Sometimes we need to comfort. That happened to you, and it was horrible. I'm sorry. So why do we need to be warned? Why do we need to be corrected? Why do we need to be encouraged? Why do we need to be comforted by others? Because here's a humbling reality. We're not always aware of the activity of God in our lives to be encouraged by and to be comforted by. Sometimes we're unaware of the presence of sin in our lives. Therefore, we need to be warned and we need to be corrected. We are limited in what we see ourselves, both positively and negatively. Sometimes we are deeply unaware of how God is at work in us and through us, and sometimes we are unaware of how we are blowing it and not living our lives the way God's called us to. And so we need the healthy, helpful encouragement, warning, correction, and comfort of others to help us persevere to the end. Others can see clearly what we don't often see at all. This reminds me of an experience in my life many, many years ago. It was, it was quite comical. Um, and so I had a, it was around Christmas time, and uh, the kids, we were making Christmas cookies, and we were icing them. And, and then I looked at my watch, I'm like, oh no, I have a meeting. And so I, had a, I, I left cookie decorating to, to rushing off to a meeting with someone I had to get together with from the church. And so I'm meeting at Bill Rodeball, Bill and Lisa Rodeball's coffee shop, Great Awakenings. And so I, I walk into the coffee shop and I, I talk with Bill for a little bit. He's been one of my best friends for, for, for decades. And we just have a quick conversation even though I wasn't there to talk to him. And then I go into the back room and I sit down and I have an hour-long meeting with someone. And I, I may have said bye to Bill on the way out. And so I go home and I go home. I go into the bathroom to wash my hands. And I look in the mirror and I notice that there is a slash of green icing on my face. Green icing, mind you, that got on my face while I was decorating cookies before I went to my meetings. So I hung out with a friend, two friends as a matter of fact, for, a, for over an hour and neither one of them pointed out the fact that I had this green icing on my face. And so that reminds me, I, I, was, a, I was oblivious to something that needed to be taken care of. And very oftentimes in our lives as Christians, we are, oblivious. we are oblivious to something that needs to be taken care of. And so what would have, a, what would have I've, I give them a hard time about this, what would a faithful friend have done at that moment? They would have said to me, Ian, you look like an idiot. You have icing on your face. Go wash it off. And that's what I, that's what I needed to have happened to me in that moment. So thanks a lot, Bill, okay? I'm still scarred by this experience. Uh, just, just kidding. 
But very often we see things in each other's lives that need to be pointed out, both positively and negatively. When we see God at work in and through each other's lives, let's encourage each other. When we see brothers and sisters going through difficult, heartbreaking experiences, let's comfort one another. When we see one another starting to steer off the right path, let us warn and bring correction to one another. That's what this word encourage means. It covers the whole spectrum of the ways we need to encourage and exhort, care and correct, comfort and affirm, because we're responsible for one another. So here's what, here's what others need from you. Others need from you a commitment to point out the activity of God for their encouragement. What others need from you is a commitment to comfort and and console when life is hard. And what others need from you is a commitment to say the hard thing in a hard time, regardless of the consequences, because obedience to Christ is most important. Here's what others need, here's what you need from others. You need others to be willing to come into your life and to encourage you when they see God at work in and through you. They need, they need you. Uh, you need them to come and point out how God is uh, put grace into your life and how God is working in and through your life. You need to be encouraged. But you also need comfort when life is hard. You also need correction and warning when you begin to stray. Again, this is take and give. We need to receive it, and we need to extend it. This is what it looks like for the church to take responsibility for one another. This is part of God's plan for holding on to the end. If we are going to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, we must trust in God who is faithful to keep us to the end. But part of the means that God uses to keep us holding on, to keep us following, are the people the followers of Jesus that God has placed around you, the brothers and sisters in Christ who will give you those healthy pushes in the right direction and who will bring the necessary encouragement, comfort, warning, and correction when it is necessary. Again, all of this is covered by the ultimate exhortation of this text that we'll go a little bit deeper into next week, and that is not neglecting to meet together as we see, as we wait for the day of Christ's return. If you're going to receive this ministry of encouragement, if you're going to receive this motivation, if you're going to give it to those who need it, you must not distance yourself from other Christians. You must not distance yourself from the worshiping community, as we're doing right now, albeit in, 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 in this particular way but we also must not remove ourselves from individual, more intimate relationships with other Christians who know us, who really know us, and who we really know so that we can help one another remain firm to the end. I'm reminded of an experience we had in our virtual discipleship community meeting just this last Thursday night. Um, we spent a lot of our time just kind of kicking back, relaxing, and just exhaling together. Um, but at a particular point in our meeting, we just spent some time just kind of like following the Spirit's prompting to pray for our marriages and to pray for our families. We find ourselves in this particular time experiencing temptations and strains and tensions. Um, we were talking about how, how overwhelming it is to hear reports of other countries 
who have gotten a little further away from the pandemic than we are right now. And on the other side of that, one of the sad realities is that many marriages are ending and many families are dealing with disintegration. And so we don't want to go there. We want our marriages to be strong. We want our relationships to be intimate. We want our, our marriages that are, that are a portrait of the gospel, a, an invitation to love Jesus as Jesus loves the church. We want them to be, we want them to remain intact. We want them to be strong and sweet. And we realize as we we're talking about this together in our discipleship community, if that's going to happen during this season, then we really need to know how we need to be motivating one another and encouraging each other to be faithful to Jesus in our marriages to the end. So whether it's marriage, or parenting, or sexual purity, or diligence in your work responsibilities, or faithfulness in your school responsibilities, or actually not just being self-serving and actually caring about those out on your block and around you, wherever you are feeling the tension and the pull of not doing what Jesus calls you to do as a follower of his. You need the motivation and the care and the correction of members of the household of God to help you be faithful to the end. If we're going to make it to the end, we must take responsibility for one another. And if we're going to take responsibility for one another, we need to be with one another in whatever way we can, especially in these difficult days. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of your son, Jesus. We thank you and praise you, Father, that we have a great high priest over the house of God. And we pray that as the household of God, as the family of God, as brothers and sisters, would you help us to take responsibility for one another? Would you help us to help one another persevere to the end? Would you help us help one another to hold on to Jesus? Would you help us to stir one another up by motivating and giving each other healthy pushes in the right direction? Help us to love you and to love others as we should and to help one another be faithful in doing that. Would you help us have eyes to see into one another's lives, not being afraid to let others in so that we can experience the encouragement, the comfort, the warning, and the correction that we all so desperately need. Father, help us by your grace that has been supplied through our one and only Savior, through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Help us be faithful to love you and to love others Help us to obey this exhortation for your glory and for your honor. Give us eyes to see how we can do what we're being called to do in this text, especially in these interesting days that we find ourselves in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.